Hey, y'all. Welcome in. Welcome, friends. Come one, come all. Welcome into the Bales Farms podcast. Thanks for joining us. Welcome or welcome back. Glad you're here. We're coming to you live, or at least we're live right now. Maybe not when you're listening to it. But we're live at the moment here in the Bales Farm studio here in Mossheim, Tennessee. And as I said, I think my name is Barry Bales, and I wish you'd please welcome my partner over here, Allison Bales. Hey, Barry. Thanks. You're welcome. How are you? Well, I'm wet. <laughs> We're having unprecedented rain for the month of August. We've had probably in the last, oh, week, I'd say we've probably had close to eight inches of rain. And so things are saturated. It's moist. From a grazing standpoint, I'm not going to complain about rain in August. So there you go. We got a lot of grass, and uh, it's a good thing. That is right, because we offer grass-fed and grass-finished beef, so we need grass. That's one of the main ingredients. (laughs) It is the ingredient. That's right. Grass, fresh air, and sunshine. That's right. Well, uh, we've got an exciting podcast here today. We've had a lot of inquiries, a lot of requests, a lot of questions about this topic. Do you want to do a little housekeeping before we jump into it? Sure. Okay, so I know you have some things on the calendar coming up. You have a, you are speaking. That's right. With our good friends. Rory Feek. Rory and Rebecca down at the homestead at Hardison Mill in Columbia, Tennessee. And tell them all about this event that's coming up. uh, People that are regular listeners heard us talk about their homestead festival they had this summer, but they're having a smaller, maybe somewhat more specific, more intentional thing this fall. A more intimate gathering this fall at the homestead. It's actually going to be in the hall itself. It is October 28th and 29th. So the last weekend of October, it's a beautiful time in Tennessee. If you're not from Tennessee and you're thinking about making a trip, that would be a great time to make a trip. And this is geared to women who are homesteading or thinking about homesteading or just wanting to be more intentional about their home life. It's called The Homemaker, and it's going to be a weekend for all the women out there to learn more about how to make their home exactly what they want it to be, what they dream of it to be. And so I'm going to be there talking and sharing some of my experiences and I'll be there with a lot of great friends such as well stay tuned we're going to start announcing them next week oh okay so it's one of those super secret surprise drum roll kind of things that's exactly right but I am breaking the news this is actually breaking news I am the person who is announcing this weekend and they will start rolling it out next week. Okay. Well, I'm sure it will be exciting. It'll be informative. And there will be a lot of big names that you're going to want to hear from. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. one of them. Yeah. So can you tell them what you're going to be talking about? Or is that secret too? 
one thing that I will be talking about is what I'm going to be talking about today on the podcast, which is homeschooling. And I will go in more detail, of course, there at that festival. And we'll get in the details of it and um, just be more specific about it there because we'll have more time. But that's what I'm sharing about today. And that's what I'm going to share on that weekend. Last weekend in October, October 28th and 29th. Great. Sounds like a lot of fun. I know it will be a big time for everybody interested in those types of topics. Right. Okay, let's see what else is going on. Well, it's it's been it's been a little busier than normal for me on the right. the music front. Right. Tell them what you've got going on. It's so exciting. Well, if you don't follow me on social media, if you do, then you you've been beat over the head with this, but I have a really fun side project I'm working on, a band called the Woodbox Heroes. And we have been doing quite a few things lately. We spent about 10 days up on Lake Michigan, up in Petoskey, Michigan, which I had never been up to that part of the world and didn't really know anything about it. It's beautiful. Uh, It's a great place to spend the summer. And we did a bunch of concerts up there. We played some house concerts. We played a lavender farm. We played a winery. Just a whole bunch of different things. Oh, we went to Mackinac Island, too, and played on Mackinac Island. Oh, wow. And I... I I have heard that's beautiful. It's it's beautiful. It's a great place to vacation. It's not an easy place to go and play a show because (laughs) they, for anybody that doesn't know, there are no automobiles allowed on the island. It's all walking or biking or horse-drawn carriages how big is the island well i should know this i don't really know i know that the biking trails around the island there's 80 miles of biking trails. oh wow well that's really important for my parents they are big bikers that's right so yeah we had fun doing that and then we came back and we actually made our debut on the grand Ole opry this past weekend we played congratulations thank you thank you i ha- I have played the opry numerous times as has everybody else in the band with the exception of our guitar player josh martin and that was his first time so that was cool to get to see that right. through his eyes and i think this podcast will come out on tuesday the help me with the date 15th the 15th which leaves you just enough time those of you in our area to get tickets for Friday night, Friday the 18th, August the 18th at the world famous down home in Johnson city, Tennessee. We will be playing there eight o'clock showtime. I think there's a few tickets left and 8 PM Eastern. That's right. And we will be having a big time. It's been a long time since I've been to the down home way too long. So it'll be fun to catch up with everybody and to, play a show there and then anybody else that might not be able to do that but still within our region within striking distance the next day saturday the 19th we're playing in bryson city north carolina at the swain county fair that'll be fun yeah so y'all come okay well anything i've left out or forgotten before we dive into the podcast topic main topic i think we're ready to go Okay, so as I said, we've had a lot of uh, questions, people wanting to know more about this, so Allison is going to launch in and give you all she knows, or at least a lot of what she knows about homeschooling. We have, and I say we loosely, mostly Allison, have been homeschooling Marshall 
since he start, was old enough to start school. Right. And she has been very involved in our local homeschool co-op, which I think has been a great, a great part of it along the way. So anyway, I'll turn it over to Allison and let her uh, enlighten you. Right. And jump in here anytime you want, Barry. I will. So we do have a lot of questions about homeschooling. Can I do it? How do I know if I can do it? And what I always tell people is, yes, you can do it. If you are a parent, you can homeschool your child or your children because no one loves your kids more than you and no one wants them to succeed more than you because if they don't succeed, they're sleeping on your couch in your basement. So yes, you can do it. You can do it. I have all kinds of stats that prove that homeschooling is actually very honorable and very positive and the results coming out of homeschooling even through the college level are amazing and I can share them with anyone who wants to hear them and I will be sharing them again in October down at Hardison Mill. So yes you can do it that's the short answer and then the next question is how do you do it right? Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate yep. here on a lot of this. Sure. So, aren't homeschoolers just a bunch of weirdo kids that are sitting in a room <laughs> somewhere with their mom? Hopefully not. Hopefully not. So, yeah, people will say, "How do you socialize them?" And as you know, as the dad of a homeschooler, sometimes that's all the kids get done especially in elementary school. I mean, with our cooperative school that we are a part of and have been since the very beginning, and most communities now have a cooperative school, I will say there are so many opportunities to socialize and to frolic. Sometimes it's hard to get the work done, the actual school work done. So... You can, if you live probably in, you know, Alaska in the winter, you'll be at home with your parents, but generally speaking, no. Generally speaking, people are out and about, and I, you know, I have some friends who, they have eight kids, and she calls her homeschooling car schooling because she says that they get most of their education done in the car when they're running back and forth to different classes and different lessons, different practices, different activities. So, no, you're not just in a room with your parents. Right, and... and for example, those opportunities for socialization, at least as it relates to our homeschool co-op, is there are sports teams. Right. They have uh, marshals on the annual staff. Mm-hmm. There are, they have prom. Right. There are numerous clubs and leadership organizations. Right. So, yes, and in, in actuality, there are a lot of things for them to take advantage of in a group slash quote-unquote normal school-type setting. Right. And then the other question is what's normal anyway, right? I mean, what I say is everybody's weird. It's just if right. your weird is the same as my weird, then I think you're normal. 
But otherwise, I think you're weird because your weird is different than my weird. Really. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> it's true, though. It is true. So, yes, for instance, on Mondays, Marshall goes to his cooperative school. He leaves here at 7.30 in the morning. He gets there before 8. Classes start. He's in school from 8 until 2. He rolls out of those classes and goes straight to his yearbook staff meeting from 2 until 3.30. He goes straight from there to his cross-country team practice and that's from 3 30 until 5 and then he has a short break until 5 30 at which time he goes to his piano lessons and then he'll be back at 6 45 or 7 so yeah it's a full it's a full schedule and yes this year he's running cross country last year he did play basketball and so there are lots of opportunities we have at our homeschool cooperative we have girls volleyball uh, boys and girls basketball we have baseball, and we have cross-country for both boys and girls. And that is not an anomaly. Most cooperative schools have all of those. Yeah, just in our area, like when he was playing basketball, how many different teams did we play I think we played from our region that were either some other homeschool co-op or Christian school type right. organization? Right, so there are all kinds of these independent conferences that play together and then at the end of the season have playoffs and have have a tournament just like just like the public schools right well that's all basketball and track and all that kind of stuff is all well and good but what what about people that would question the quality of the education we both we both know who this is but for example i was at a event the other night and was talking to this person and something came up about Marshall and being homeschooled and all that. And in all seriousness, this other person looked at me and said, so how is he going to be prepared to go out into the world? Right. And, you know, it is interesting. People who have not ever homeschooled themselves question the legitimacy of homeschooling as an avenue for education and a lot of times i'm trying to be very diplomatic here a lot of times well you the know people who question that they really aren't involved in any aspect of education whether it's public education or private education or home education right so just to uh just to set this up uh, you you probably have this at some point but uh hit us with some facts and figures you know Facts don't lie. Numbers don't lie. So hit us with some of the highlights of what you have found in your research on homeschool kids versus public school kids. Okay. And their successes. Okay. Well, number one, homeschooling is really becoming more and more popular, right? It's just growing and growing and growing in popularity across the board. And there are lots of reasons for that. Lots and lots of reasons. I tell people, everybody has their own why. And so, you know, it's just some some people want to homeschool for religious region, reasons. Some people want to homeschool because they don't want government involved in their education. Some people feel like, 
Johnny or Susie may be getting bullied at school. Some people don't agree with it, with what they're teaching. Um, And so there are lots of different whys, but it is becoming more and more popular. And when you look at it overall, there's a 75% increase in the last few years. And when you look across, and I can share these in our show notes, but I have a slide that I show when I do a talk about homeschooling that shows the national average percentile scores, homeschooling versus public schooling. And it's pretty, it's pretty telling. I'm going to show you the, the slide just so you can see it, but it's, it's pretty telling. You've got, um, you know, anywhere in, I'll just say the combo of all the subjects, Homeschoolers across the board are scoring nationally um, 86 percentile, while public schools are 50 percent in the 50th percentile. So that's a 36 point increase for homeschooling over public schooling. So that's just one. And then when you look at the GPA of homeschoolers versus public schoolers, nationally it's a 3.46 GPA for homeschoolers and a 3.16 average for public schoolers. And public schoolers also have weighted GPA so they can actually, it can look higher than it actually is, but yet still the homeschoolers are knocking it out of the park. When you look at the college level, homeschoolers are graduating on time and with a higher grade point average from college than public schoolers and private schoolers combined. Because at that level, you don't look at are they public or are they private schooled. You just look at who is a homeschool graduate versus a public or private school sector graduate well those are some pretty stout numbers yeah and uh, you'll probably get more into that later but okay let's get down to the meat and potatoes of it let's say somebody is just beginning to think about this and it's pretty overwhelming sure so i'm an i'm a fairly i have a uh child that's either just entering just becoming school aged or we're wanting to make a change right how do I start? Where do right. I start? What do I do? Help. I get this phone call. How many times a week do you well, say? Well, we should say too. Seven or eight times. Cur- you know a lot about this, not only because you homeschool our son, but also because currently you are the president of our right. homeschool co-op. Right. I think I'm entering my fifth year as president. And so I field a lot of phone calls from people. And also people just call me. They'll reach out to me through social media or whatever. And I always just say, just call me. It's easier to have this conversation over the phone. And then I can answer their questions. And so I get these phone calls a lot, almost every day. I'm on the phone with someone wanting to begin homeschooling for some reason. And so the first thing I tell them to do is find an umbrella school so then the next question is well what in the world is an umbrella school an umbrella school is an organization who will come alongside you and partner with you as you walk through educating your children umbrella schools help you with registration they help you to make sure that you're meeting your state's requirements they help you keep all of your records they make sure that little johnny and little susie are taking every class that they should be taking for instance um 
one year when I was registering Marshall, I literally forgot to write his ELA class down. And that was just a, an oversight on my part. We were teaching grammar and literature. I just forgot to write it down. And so almost immediately, I got an email that said, oh, Marshall has to take ELA. I think it was in fourth grade. And so they are on top of it. They help to make sure that everything is done and all of your I's are dotted and all of your T's are crossed. Homeschool, um, homeschoolers really do. I really, 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 really recommend everybody get an umbrella school, even if your state doesn't require it. For instance, Tennessee does require it. And I think that's a great thing because it just makes sure that everything's getting done and you are then seen in the eyes of the law as a representative or as an employee, unpaid employee, of course, of that school. So for instance, when Marshall graduates, he will get a he will get his diploma from Home Life Academy. That's our umbrella school. And through the eyes of the law, it looks like he is a student at Home Life Academy taking classes at our address and also at our cooperative school and now at Walter State Community College where he is a dual enroll student. So where does one find one of these umbrella schools? Well, the easiest way to find them is just to look them up online. I recommend Home Life Academy and I can put that in the show notes. I don't get anything from them. We have paid money every year to them. It's not a crazy amount of money. It's very fair. They have always been our umbrella school, and they are the umbrella school for 99% of the families in our cooperative. You can also have your umbrella school listed as your county school or your city school, wherever you are located. That is a good move if you want little Johnny or little Susie to play sports through the public school system. But otherwise, you don't really need them as your umbrella school. You could, you should go with somebody like Home Life Academy, in my opinion. Home Life Academy is licensed to work in all 50 states. And so they can work with you if you are in, let's say, Mississippi, which is a very friendly state to homeschoolers. Or if you live in California, which what would you say? Would you say that California is friendly to homeschoolers? Well, based on the way you set that up, I'm going to guess no. No. They're the most strict. If you homeschool in the state of California, you have to have an umbrella school like Home Life Academy. And Home Life Academy can help you with every step that you are going to need to take to homeschool successfully. Okay, so it sounds like I need to find an umbrella school if I'm going to right. homeschool. Yes. Do I do I need do I also need to be in a co-op? You don't have to be in a co-op, but it really is great. For instance, our co-op, our cooperative school, cooperative schools are always parent-led, parent-run. They are by nature of volunteer basis nobody gets paid at most of them unless you're you know maybe in Boston but ours is volunteer based I can 
work with anybody if they are wanting to know how to set one up. We have been with Heritage Home Scholars here in Greenville, Tennessee since the beginning. We were one of the first families that joined it. I was not there in the planning stages. Those folks are a lot smarter than me and they're still around in the community, but there's only um, one other person who was on the board, helped set it up, and she has one child who is graduating this year. So everybody else has aged out. But uh, cooperative schools are great. You can have somebody teach your kids. For instance, we have this amazing ELA program, English language arts program. So we have really, really, really great grammar teachers, educators, and I'm really thankful for them because I am more math and science oriented. And so where I teach the high level science courses for the high schoolers, I have someone else come and teach Marshall American literature or British literature last year and he has to do all of his writing all of his composition all of his reading with them and so yes I'm putting in time for my human anatomy and physiology class but I know that my friend Wendy is coming alongside of me and she's putting just as much time in for her British literature class that Marshall took. So you don't have to do a cooperative school, but it really is helpful, especially in the higher grades, in my opinion, because it is hard to teach every single class well at that level, at the high school level. So being in a co-op helps you corral and play to your strengths the people that are right. good at one thing can teach it and then if they're not so great there's somebody else there that can teach it right right right. like we have a knitting club at our cooperative school which is awesome and it's one of the most popular clubs after school clubs that we have and there are a lot of people in that club and if somebody came to me and asked me to knit them socks I would have no idea where to start but now I have someone that I can go to and I could even join that club if I wanted we have shop class so um there are people who teach shop classes a couple of years ago Marshall took a small engine repair class if you remember that so all of these things are great because those aren't my strengths but they're someone else's strengths so yeah it's it's a great cooperative agreement a great way to educate your kids and I will say this Everybody learns differently, right? I learn very differently than you. I have to have hands-on and eyes-on where you can, you're much more of an abstract learner, I think. And so when you're going to teach me something on the farm that I need to do when you're gone, what do I always say to you? You have to show me. I can't just, you can't just draw me a little sketch. You have to actually show me. And so does Marshall learn that way? Not necessarily. So he has to figure out how to learn, right? Everybody has to figure out how to learn. They have to figure out how to study. And cooperative schools are a great way to show how to do that because different teachers teach different ways. And, you know, you have to learn how to take notes. You have to learn how to take in information and spit it back out in the way that the teacher wants So if I start homeschooling my child and I get into a homeschool co-op and we go like you just talked about one day a week, does that mean I've got four more free days the rest of the week to do whatever I want to do? 
That's what some people think. But no, unfortunately. So what I tell people is when they are asking about our cooperative school, I always say we are a supplement to what you are doing at home. Now, in high school, so this year Marshall is a junior. This year Marshall is taking marine biology, which I am teaching at the cooperative school. He's taking American literature at the cooperative school. He's also taking an introduction to psychology class, and he's doing an elective because he has time in his schedule this year, and so he's taking a theater class. That's on Mondays at the cooperative school. He's also doing other cooperative classes on Tuesday And those classes are American Literature and a Logic class. Then on Thursday, he does Spanish 1 and 2 at Walter State Community College. So at home, what he will do on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he will come home and he will do one hour of homework for each of his cooperative classes throughout the week. Then he'll also add in the other classes, and he'll have at least an hour of homework every day from those classes as well. So it sounds like now that he's getting into dual enrollment type stuff, it's changing up. But for people that are just starting, let's say you're doing one day a week at co-op, what should the rest of the week probably look like for them? So if you are in the younger grades, let's say first through because really kindergarten is just it's just life is a party when you're in kindergarten and it should be so first grade through eighth grade you are going to get you're going to be able to choose your classes that's the other thing about a cooperative school you get to choose what classes you want your child to take so you can do core classes you can do required classes or you could just do electives whatever it is that you want to do but let's say you do you you take four classes and one is a history one's a science one is a literature and one is PE then throughout the week you're going to have those core classes as homework you're going to have assignments from the cooperative school teacher and then you are going to be supplementing other classes that you're not taking so you might have a geography class in there or you're likely going to have a math class and that was one that I did not say that Marshall was doing but at home the only class that Marshall is doing at home with me is geometry this year everything else he's doing away from home and then supplementing here but you're going to supplement classes at home all week when you are away from the cooperative school some cooperative schools get together two times a week some get together three times a week most do get together one time a week so yes you're going to have to do some type of education with your children the rest of the week and that is where you as the parent need to think about what type of education is going to work for you do you want to do more of a traditional style and that's kind of the way that you learned when you were in school where you have one teacher and that teacher uses a textbook and then you have tests and you pass a class and you move on or do you want to do more of a unit study type school where you are reading books and you're getting all of your education through those books and those are kind of what we call living books do you know what a living book is Barry like southern living kind of but not really a living book is different than a textbook living books are think about like Little House on the Prairie, books that 
are written by one author who is passionate about a subject. Like when you have a first grader, I don't know if you remembered uh, the book Make Way for Ducklings. It was by Robert McCloskey. Yep. And you actually went to Boston when we were reading that book, and you sent back all these pictures of those duck boats in Boston. Do you remember that? Yep. And so that that book is a great book about ducks and ducklings, and so you can pull in science, and you can pull in geography because it's in Boston. You can pull in history. You can pull in art. You can... You can do all kinds of lessons based on these living books. And you can find lots of lists of living books. Um, I use Pinterest to find books a lot, living books. And they are just great ways to enhance your educational experience if you would like to do more of a unit study type thing. There are other types of of homeschooling some people call themselves unschoolers and that's where you are just really basing your school experience on your kids interests and their activities like if you have a kid that's super into banjo then they're going to take banjo lessons and they would they would look at and research the history of the banjo and they would do drawings of the banjo and they would learn how to do recording and they would do all kinds of lessons on the banjo until you just really get sick of the banjo and then you're going to move on to something else that they're interested in maybe chickens or dinosaurs or whales or sharks it just depends on what your style of homeschool is and your style of education but that's what you would do throughout the weeks when you are away from the cooperative school so what if i'm teaching something that's more facts and figures like math or something like that am i going to have to go up in the attic and dig and find all my old school books that's a good question if we had to we would not have anything because I think we turned all of our books in in public school, didn't we? We didn't own those books. Uh, if we were supposed to, yeah, that's I did. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, you had the little line and you would write your name and you would put Barry Bell's 1975. It wasn't quite that long ago. Some of it was. <laughs> so yes, you have to you have to choose your curriculum and and your uh, your umbrella school will help you with that if you are just you know, really lost, they can give you some ideas. But some some companies I really recommend for math, I always use Saxon Math. And for science, I use Apology of Science. I use Write Shop for grammar and for composition. And there's a really good company called Spell to Write and Read. They're really, really good at teaching spelling in early ages and if you have a learner that leans more math and science and leans away from spelling and literature and grammar then that's a really good curriculum to use I also have used winter promise and there is a history there's a curriculum out there called Mystery of History. Um, a lot of people have loved it. I didn't love it as much, but it's super, super popular. So those are just some examples of companies 
who have a lot of curriculum out there for you to choose from as a homeschooling parent. So you do not have to write the curriculum yourself. You are not writing the curriculum. So let me extrapolate here from what you said. If if I am a member, if I'm starting down this road and I join a co-op, then if I'm seeing the writing on the wall, I could probably get with some of the folks in that co-op that already have some of these curriculums right? and check them out and see which ones I like yes, before I end up it. having to buy them all. Right. That's a great way to do it. And you can buy used curriculum. You can buy, you can go to all kinds of book sales. You can look at things. You can try things out. That's a great thing about the internet, right? You can find almost anything, say, on Pinterest or on Amazon, and you can flip through and see if you think, okay, yes, this does look like it might work for me. You know, another thing you can do is go to the company itself, and they generally have on there how many weeks their curriculum is, how many days a week you need. A lot of companies will write curriculum for a four-day week knowing that people will go to a cooperative school one day a week or a lot of people just want to do homeschooling four days a week so they hit it really hard four days a week and then they take a long weekend every week that's the great thing about homeschooling you can have some flexibility and you have some say so over your schedule instead of having to be at a certain place at a certain time every day of the week you can you know you can be more flexible that's, that is one great thing that we have found about homeschooling. We have flexibility for travel and flexibility for our schedule on the farm, which changes with the seasons. Yeah, and you can, you know, if it's, if you're down in the dog days of summer and it's a blue million degrees outside, right. why not do a little bit of school Right. so that you might have a little time to do some other things come October when October, it's beautiful. Yeah. I will say this. I will say that Marshall and I just, we're recording on a Friday. We just finished our eighth week of geometry. So he is going to be done with geometry probably pretty early in the school year, which is going to help him as he is taking his ACT, uh, as he's prepping for college, as he is walking through these harder classes with dual enrollment we decided to go ahead and hit geometry pretty hard in the summer so that if he needs to he can step back from that just a little bit when he's really 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 having to read some harder books for literature for American literature but at least he's not reading Pride and Prejudice again this year sorry about that everybody who loves Pride and Prejudice I mean I love it too but when you're a 16 year old boy it's just a little slow did you like pride and prejudice did you love mr darcy uh, if i read it i blocked it out of my mind i mr. don't remember darcy. it so okay so let's sum up here a little bit yes for the new homeschooling parent yes get a i need to find an umbrella school yes number one get an umbrella school and i need to seriously consider finding a local cooperative school yes even if you don't want to join the classes it's good for field trips because they're going to get group discounts they're going to get groups together there it's going to be a lot of social activities for your kid and Things that you're not going to be able to do in your house with just your kids. Like, for instance, PE. It's hard to do a PE class at home when you have one or two or three kids. Right. 
So then you need to get, you need to choose a curriculum. Right. And get all the material together for mm-hmm. that. Yep. And then. Start. Start at, at your own pace, at right. your own schedule. That's it. Right? Yep. That's it. Well, that doesn't sound too awful bad. That doesn't sound as daunting as, you know, it could. That's right. I always tell people the only thing that I tell people that I that I warn people about going into it is every day is not going to be a trip to Disneyland. It's not going to be fun and games every single day. There are going to be times when you want to pinch their heads off and there are going to be times when they don't want to go to school just like if they went to public school or private school. It's funny, I talked to one of my friends just the other day. This is the first full week of classes for our public schools. And she said that her daughter woke up with a quote-unquote terrible headache on Wednesday. That was just the third day of the school year. And she said this daughter of hers didn't have one headache all summer long. And all of a sudden, now she has a headache so bad she can't even go to school. So, it's not just homeschoolers. It's everybody that, you know, everybody wants to stay in bed. Well, and it's like everything in life. You get out of it what you put into it. Right. You know, there are, there are plenty of kids and parents in public school that are completely checked out and uninvolved. And there's the exact same thing in the homeschool world. And in private school and in college and everywhere you go. You're right. You get out of it what you put into it. And you, whatever avenue you take with your children, whether it's public school, private school, or homeschooling, you have got to stay on it. You've got to do extra work. Even if your kids go to public school, for instance, you know, the great majority of people last year at the end of the 2022 school year, over 80% of families asked said they hired tutors for their public schooled kids. So even if your kids are going away from you to school, you're going to have to be involved and you have to be checked in and you have to be on it and having conversations with your kids. And full disclosure, last year in, in chemistry, Marshall took chemistry Uh, from at the cooperative school from a college professor she's really tough she's fair she's good it was a great class I'm super glad he had it and we had a tutor so there's nothing wrong with that but you have to do extra sometimes you have to just do a little extra work and that's why I mean that's their job as parents right get plugged in know your kid do the work, have them do the work, and everything's going to be okay. Absolutely. But bottom line is you can do it. You can do it. Follow follow these few ste- right. steps. Three steps, we said. And you're off and running. Umbrella school, talk to somebody about a cooperative school, choose your curriculum. That's it. And we will make all of this stuff available in the show notes on our blog right. on the website. That's right. I'll so have that you don't have to, to try to remember it or write it down. We'll have it there. Well, I think that's a superb introduction to homeschooling and giving you everything you need to get started. Is there anything that you've we've not talked about that you need to add to that? I will say there 
are a couple of videos on our YouTube channel where I walk you through also their older videos that I did a couple of years ago for our homeschooling community, but they are up on our YouTube channel. Which, who even remembers that we have a YouTube channel, really? I can't keep up with <laughs> where I put my glasses. We don't do anything with that YouTube channel, but maybe we should if people want us to. I don't know. We used to do that front porch conviviality. It's hard to do everything. It is hard to do everything. You especially, can do everything. Especially when you don't have people. That's right. <laughs> we do need people. So, okay. Well, that was great. Um, if, if any of y'all are interested in the subject and still have questions or there's something that we didn't cover that we forgot or that is specific to your situation, please send us an email. You can email Allison at balesfarmstn at gmail.com. Yep. And we'll have everything up on our socials pointing to the blog and also that gives you my number my email, all the things, all the things. I'm very, very easy to find. Don't forget August the 18th at the Down Home for anybody who is local and... East Tennessee, Western North Carolina, Southwest Virginia. That's exactly right. And then the last weekend in October, come out to the Homemaker event in Middle Tennessee, Hardison Mill. Yeah, Columbia, Tennessee, within easy striking distance of Nashville. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, if that's uh, if if that says it all, then that says it all, and we'll uh, we'll wrap it up for this okay. episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We hope that this helped at least one person get started down the path of homeschooling, and we will see you next episode. That's right. Thanks, Allison. Thank you, Barry. See y'all. See ya.